Hello and welcome to Nature Snippets, a podcast about the natural world, about organisms you may find in your backyard and beyond. I'm Declan McCabe, coming to you from St. Michael's College in Colchester, Vermont. Well, welcome back again, folks. Good to have you. I'm back at it again in the Media Creation Studio. When I recorded my first podcast in here a few weeks back, I was literally the first user of the studio, which was quite a kick. By now, many of our students have been in here and they've had a good time and they're making their podcasts and other things. So it's exciting to see this brand new feature of the college blossoming. Anyway, back at it in terms of the natural history stuff here. And I wanted to talk about something that people are concerned about in in Vermont, and that is the quality of Lake Champlain. And more importantly, what we can do about it. It's tempting to think that the lake is there and it just does its thing and there are algal blooms and it's out of our control. But in fact, we are the ones who cause the algal blooms and therefore we are the ones who can do something about it. So whether you are a farmer or whether you have a garden or whether you have a pet, there are things that you can do to reduce the impact that we have on Lake Champlain. And so I wrote this essay a while back. It's called Keeping It Clean Downstream and it was published in The Outside Story, which is circulated by the Northern Woodlands magazine folks. And here we go. In peaceful streams, aquatic macroinvertebrates such as crayfish, stoneflies, and caddisflies travel over and under submerged rocks, foraging for other invertebrates, leaves, and algae. When water falls, their world turns upside down. At first, the surface is disturbed by a storm, little drop of rain here and there, but before long, runoff from the surrounding area reaches the stream and increases its flow many-fold. Silt and sand literally blast every exposed rock surface. At peak flow, boulders are propelled downstream by powerful currents. How, you may wonder, do small creatures survive this crushing chaos? The answer is they hunker down. Water-filled nooks and crannies extend deep below stream beds and far beyond riverbanks. These deep interstices provide safe haven even when turbulent water pulverizes the riverbed. It's comparable to a storm cellar in a tornado. Storm water has great destructive potential, but it also flushes and cleans aquatic habitats. Riverbeds are rejuvenated when sediment is flushed from the bottom and deposited on floodplains. Algae and bacteria grow back rapidly on the scoured rocks. Macroinvertebrates climb out of their storm cellars and return to foraging. The cycle of storm recovery and regrowth is the natural state. You can see the effects of this cycle yourself by looking at some river rocks. In a healthy stream, you'll find rocks perched on other rocks and the stream bed visible under the water with little silting. Although just after a rainstorm, the rocks may be scoured clean, They'll soon develop a slimy covering of algae, and then they'll host a diversity of tiny creatures. In polluted streams, however, you'll find something very different. River rocks may be embedded in silt, and when you pick them up, you'll find that they're wearing bathtub rings with algae only growing on the upper half. Streams that are impacted in this way are suffering from something we call urban stream syndrome. And because the rocks are so embedded, there's no longer the storm cellar available to some of the more sensitive macroinvertebrates. Poorly planned development disrupts the cycle of stream bed renewal, 
When stream banks are bare, erosion can be a big problem. Soil lost from overgrazed or overcropped land ends up on the water, where it plugs the stream bed nooks and crannies. Imagine for a moment a concrete truck unloading through your window and filling your home with a solidifying mess. Only the hardiest of invertebrates survive these conditions and the whole riverine food chain can be affected. Traditional paving and buildings also create problems as impervious surfaces dramatically increase the volume of water directed straight into streams. Formerly small, cool, perennial streams can become torrents of unnaturally warm water. Channels become deeper and eroded materials are deposited on stream beds. Since rain doesn't reach the groundwater underneath the pavement, groundwater can become depleted and the streams may run dry between rainstorms. Farming or urbanization is not going to disappear anytime soon, but there are ways to intelligently develop the landscape to better protect streams. For example, at St. Michael's College where I work, a system has been installed of curved parking lots to collect the rainwater. The rainwater is then directed into rain gardens. These are shallow gravel-lined depressions strategically planted with vegetation that tolerates occasional submersion. The rain gardens easily absorb water from a typical rainstorm and can even contain all of the water dropped during 100-year storm events. St. Michael's has also replaced many impervious sidewalks with attractive, pervious bricked footpaths. These are popular with the students and with our visitors, and they actually improve the environment. Roof water from the gymnasium runs into deep gravel beds. Runoff from recently constructed roads collects in an underground tank by our townhouses. All of these systems drain gradually into the groundwater, and they drastically reduce the downstream potential for erosion. The recharged groundwater keeps a small perennial stream flowing to the Winooski River, even during dry spells. There is no doubt that people affect stream macroinvertebrates and the fish that they sustain. We do, however, have the choice to protect our streams by thoughtfully managing our impacts, reducing erosion in urban and agricultural settings. And with all due respect to Johnny Mitchell, there's a lot of room for ingenuity between paradise and a paved parking lot. So there you go, that was the essay. You might wonder how this possibly connects to pollution in Lake Champlain. And it all comes down to erosion and soil movement. The phosphorus that causes the algal blooms in Lake Champlain is tied intimately to the soil. And when the soil moves, the phosphorus moves. So anything that we can do to reduce soil erosion is going to reduce phosphorus transportation to Lake Champlain. Currently, we are faced with a problem that is only partly in our control, and that is that the climate is changing and depositing more rainfall in the Northeast. As a result of that, we have more soil erosion, moving more phosphorus to Lake Champlain. So what you can do in your own place is if you have roof water that currently goes through the gutters and onto your driveway, you can redirect that piping and have your rainwater go out onto your lawn. That's a simple procedure. And if you're getting your gutters replaced anyway, a good gutter installer can direct the rainfall down to a downspout from anywhere along the length. And we did that recently, and he has it actually flowing to the center of the gutter, straight down a pipe that goes out under our deck and into the yard. And previously, it was heading onto the driveway and straight down to Lake Champlain, where it was causing erosion along the way. So, simple things we can all do. And pet owners, if you can encourage your four-legged friend to take his, his or her bathroom break on the lawn, 
rather than on the driveway. That too will be an improvement in what heads downstream. Picking up after your pet also improves things. It only takes a single doggy deposit to result in a beach dozing because of the high density of E. coli in their feces. So, things we can all do, and I appreciate all of you contributing to a cleaner Lake Champlain. And with that, we'll sign it off for another couple of weeks. Thank you again. That's all for today, folks. If you enjoyed this week's episode, please consider subscribing wherever you find your podcasts. This is a bi-weekly podcast, so you can expect a new episode every other Friday. Thank you once again for listening.